This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. And I'm Jeff. And you can follow us on Twitter at Run Pod Option. You can email us runpodoption at gmail.com. If you're listening to the show and you have a Twitter, tweet at us. Tell us your worst, uh, your, your favorite bad take that we're probably going to have this week. We are <laughs> recording on... We're recording on the 17th of August, so we haven't had a show for three weeks, I believe. We just finished up our conference previews. We knew that there was probably some bad news coming down the pipe, and lo and behold, here we are. Now, I did say at the end of that, uh, at the end of the last preview, that we will see you in fall of 2021. Yeah, you Son almost called it, because honestly, I, I was expecting a season review podcast after you floated that idea last week, <laughs> as, as the cancellations were coming down. So just to kind of cover the cancellations that we know of right now, we have no fall football for Division Three football, Division Two football, FCS football, and at the FBS level, we have no Big Ten, no MAC, no Mountain <laughs> West, no Pac-12. No UConn, UMass, Old Dominion, New Mexico State. There's a kicker with the FCS. There are some teams that are still trying to play, like North Dakota State, but they are trying to find FBS opponents at this point, so we'll see how that works for them. If you believe North Dakota State, I think they just said they mentioned they reached out to 100 different teams to try to play, which is weird because right now only 70 or 78 <laughs> are like dedicated to playing this year, so... Who knows? Uh, so as of today, we have the American, the Conference USA, Sunbelt, Army, Liberty, Brigham Young have no changed schedules yet other than a few games here and there. The ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, and then oddly Florida International and Rice have modified seasons. So a lot has happened. Do we want to go ahead and just start this with... What are the chances college football gets played across those <laughs> remaining leagues? I think that that's probably a great place to start. Okay, so before before we do our, our prediction, I'm going to ask if you guys a percentage, right? If you're going to, or even if you want to, odds if you're feeling gambling worthy. But just let's talk about the mood. Jeff, your team, or rather the conference your team is in, <laughs> is not going to be playing football. So how, how was that to kind of, cause it sucked to see from my angle, but I didn't even consider that like a Purdue fan is probably going to have their heart broken, but a Michigan fan, especially. I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it was really tough to see from just the, you know, your team perspective, you're excited to see, you know, new players, all that kind of stuff. You know, you can't wait to see the new recruit. That's a five-star come in and hopefully he doesn't suck, but it was it was also kind of weird watching the other fans like who usually don't like like I love bashing Nebraska fans but it was kind of strange rooting for them also and even Ohio State I know we're going to talk about Justin Fields later but like the dude was doing a good it was just really strange to to be like yeah we're all in this together or now we're not <laughs> yeah it's sort of that uh the way that SEC fans chant SEC it feels like there was a, a big tension that it sense. was met with cries. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's two parts kind of to the Big Ten that that only kind of just popped into my head. But one was, I believe it was Harbaugh that was talking about how successful Michigan was at handling practice and handling quarantine and everything else, and mentioning. I believe it was his suggestion that the rest of the league could adopt it, or maybe the NCAA. I can't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, he published a kind of like a brief letter on, hey, you know, we deserve to play. And it was really more fact-based based on Michigan's COVID testing over the last, like, two months and how the trend that I think the last, like, 300 tests, they've had no positive results, basically stating that that, methodology could be used across the conference, which I think the Big Ten was trying to implement some kind of standardized testing anyway, but that was kind of his argument. And and the follow-up to that was also that I saw today, the athletic director at Penn State is now claiming that they're not even sure there was a proper vote among either camp, either, either school presidents or I guess other medical officials for, for each individual school, which now seems to, 
I, you know, I think it was Dennis Dodd that reported it and, and everything, everything that's being reported is inherently like I'm taking with a grain of salt because things are changing at such a breakneck speed, not just with like coronavirus in the world, but also with like in particular college football and coronavirus. I, it was reported 12 to the vote, I think, when they canceled it. And now they're saying, well, actually, it was 8-6. And then there's also like, well, maybe there wasn't a vote at all. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know what the... I think it's people covering their ass, like the athletic director at Penn State might be trying to do, and that you don't want to be the person that voted yes to kill football. So you're like, oh, yeah, listen, 8-6, to six, we were definitely one of those six, though. I promise. <laughs> yeah, we were, That's what it feels like. There are 14 teams that were one of those six. <laughs> yeah, it feels it just feels weird. And and do we want to kind of dive into the Justin Fields thing a little bit? Because he's started a petition to try and have the Big Ten. I also saw the parents of Big Ten athletes are trying to. I, I don't know if those are the same movements. I think that he got like somewhere around like 30,000 like, si- like signees like within like the first like weekend of him doing this. It's something like that. And it was parents and people like that. Of course, they're going to be signing it. Well, actually, I'm kind of surprised. You know, you'd think that they'd want to. I know that these kids, they want to see their kids go out there and succeed and play football. But you'd think that they'd also be a little concerned about their health and safety. Um, I don't know. I've got a weird feeling about this whole deal. And it'll go into, like, what I think about them about the whole league actually playing this year, but the Mac and the mountain West canceling makes sense because I think everyone's trying to figure it out still, but just seeing like the big 12 example for testing, they're planning on testing three times a week. And for that much money to be spent, it's like $45,000, a week that you're spending on testing. If you're not, if you don't have an on-campus laboratory that's associated, let me let me add that because the Big Twelve I think has half their teams are using labs that they're partnered with, and the other half are just doing it on campus. Like Texas Tech is just crushing it because they're doing it all on campus, hmm. like almost every every other day, and they're getting twenty-four hour turnarounds. These but schools like, that have like good like medical schools. Research, yeah. yeah. And, and the, exactly. So, like, the MAC and the Mountain West, I understand that not every school will be able to afford that, so I get it. Even the UConn, UMass Old Dominion, New Mexico State, I get that, too. With the Big Ten and the Pac-12, you'd think that, that at least the funds, it also feels like, kind of speaking opposite of what Jeff was mentioning, but this Big Ten unity or Pac-12 unity among schools it seems pretty crazy that Ohio State wouldn't come out and just say, hey, we want college football. Which one of you schools are going to have a problem meeting this bill, right? That can't do this testing and let's pull our Michigan has a lot of money, I'm assuming. Michigan, Ohio State and whoever that are floating that money to get it so that Maryland and that Rutgers and that Purdue, if they're having issues, money or financially to be able to meet those demands, like it seems crazy that you can't do it together, that they have less cohesion than what the players have done over the last three weeks, which we'll dive into here in a little bit. I'm sure that like Penn State has the money too. Northwestern probably has the money too, just because, and it's got the me- the medical facility there too. So. Yeah, you've got you've got options, but I was gonna say, like, how feasible is it to really run these kind of numbers every week? Well, that leads to, I mean, not to go down the path of you know politics and all that, but they're one of the, and I think Marty Denistad posted an article about this. One of the, I think it was the Yale sponsored testing, the saliva testing one, got approved by the. FDA or whoever it was, and it's the cheapest testing, $4 a test, and also you get results back in a few hours. Like, that's the, I mean, if that works, that would have been something the Big Ten probably should have waited on, you know, because that that cuts your testing costs probably 
more than in half, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Did they Actually, did they pull the trigger too? I think that's the question that's coming up. Did they pull the trigger too soon? I, I think Max Olson also wrote something about that today too, because that test, that saliva test, is they're still working apparently on the kinks of false negatives because mm. it still has a higher. So it's a super quick turnaround. So that's great. Whenever it doesn't have many false positives, which is also great, but it's got a lot more false negatives. And I guess if it's that cheap, you can just test them daily and not take the chance. You know, it, it, it still feels like though. And, and just, I'm using big 12 because I read, read it about it today. Cause I think it was that Max Olson article that I read. Mm-hmm. But if, if Oklahoma state can get results in 24 hours, that's great. There's still the question of the days in between or the last day tested to the game. What can happen, right? That's, that's what has us in our house now, right? Because you, you can't, you want to play it safe still, but when West Virginia is using a lab that they're partnered with and it, they're, they're taking 24 hours to do the results. But then I think West Virginia had a surge in cases and those started lagging. And it took three or four days because they're dependent on the lab instead of their own resources to do those testings. Mm-hmm. Can we afford that in November when let's say cases are just staying a steady climb, but you have more people that are getting sick from the seasonal flu additionally. So you have more testing. So it's more backlog like that. It's almost... Because I think everybody's going to take that precaution. Like that's that's another. It, there's there's so the, the the web is very intertwined. And did the Big Ten pull the trigger too early? Yes, probably. But I'd also, after seeing how these campuses, which I'm going to go ahead and dive into, <laughs> if you guys don't mind. Well, just one more point about that West Virginia deal. I mean, you can't have that lag. You 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 just can't and hope to run a season. Uh, because let's say that you have two people that have tested positive. Well, they've been practicing all week now and they're going to get everybody else sick. That's on the team. And even if it's like three more, you're still, it's still, you know, if, if, if you get lucky and one person gets sick and they only infect four, if those people are not tested at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's that exponential thing. That's kind of scary. And, and I want to give, it's, it's not even really a shout out, but it's, it's a good point from, uh, I think he was the most recent guest host we had, but Mark Givler from Buckeye scoop, who is an Ohio state recruiting guy. And, and he's great. He is, this is not his words necessarily, but I think he's he's pro letting the players play, right? But one of the things he brought up, and he brought up as his examples, is the dirty secret is these universities have slowly tried to separate their athlete base from their student base for the last 10 or 20 years. So there's very little interaction unless it's intentional by the player on a day-to-day for an Ohio State running back, say their day-to-day at Ohio State is already pretty isolated and with that team. So, in, in essence, they're their own little bubble. And if you buy that across every football team, then I think it could it could work, right? If, if you could guarantee that Oklahoma has a bubble, that Oklahoma State has a bubble, that Ohio State has a bubble, that uh, Cal has a bubble for their whole team – I just don't think that's – no, I don't think that that's realistic to think with college kids, especially if there's people on campus. Besides have- the college kids. Besi- and, and, and like, yeah, let's let's shift we've, – we've all been that age, right? And we were all presumably idiots in some form or fashion. I can, <laughs> I mean, I can attest to it. I'm lucky I, I didn't go to university and I was a fucking idiot. Pardon my French. I, I mean, I can totally attest to it. I went to two schools that were – major college football schools and I've been to parties that football players were at that basketball players were at. They go out and do the same thing. I'm pretty sure when you took me to Virginia tech, I stole a box of wine from a party below us. And there was definitely at least one football player there almost yes. positive. Cause there were very big dudes and I was very scared <laughs> when I stole the wine and it was a poor decision. I've never had a hangover that bad, 
But if, if you remove that, you're still now, you're still saying, Oklahoma, use your resources to make a bubble for these players that, oh, by the way, are amateurs. Like it's still, and have, you know, have your, your normal students still going to school and not having the safety and precautions that you're taking with your football team. You're making the case for, for the athletes to get paid. Well, that's what that's one of the big things that this pandemic has done is it's shown that the NCAA has been hiding behind a, you know, these are amateurs, you know, these are student athletes when now instead of being like, yeah, you can't be on campus, we're, they're trying to find ways to get them on campus. Like in the like in the Pac-12 at one point was was thinking about, yeah, we're going to the kids are not going to be on campus, but the players will be there. Well, that just officially makes them not amateurs anymore because you're right. forcing them to be on campus when the rest of your student body isn't. Right. They're staff so, so you now. can make yes, yeah, just so you can make some money. Put out a product. I'm going to read some of these headlines and clips from articles from the last two weeks because schools have started having students show up. Um I guess this is the time of year. Again, I did not go to university, so I don't know. I don't know about moving in. This is this is news to me. This uh, is definitely at, the time. <laughs> but after after I kind of read through some of these things, we'll kind of talk about them. But then we're going to go ahead and go into the "We Are United" and the "We Want to Play" movement. Okay. This is from the Daily Tar Heel. This was today. The headline reads: UNC has a clusterfuck on its hands. It was an editorial, <laughs> and I'm going to read the the opening sentence and then i'm going to read the last three sentences that it has in the article it's not really cherry picking if you read it it's this throughout i'm just cutting out some of the fat because you don't want me reading for five minutes quote we're only week into the semester and four covid19 clusters have already surfaced on and around <laughs> campus okay and then we're gonna go dot 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 quote we're angry and we're scared. We're tired of the gaslighting, tired of the secrecy, tired of being treated like cash cows by university with such blatant disregard for our lives. Hmm. UNC is often recognized for the ambition demonstrated by its students and faculty and the administration's insistence to maintain an on-campus presence amid a pandemic can definitely fall under that. One thing's for sure, this roadmap leads straight to hell. Oh, <laughs> So, scathing indictment. <laughs> big shout out! Big shout out to journalism, to to, to prop, proper school journalism. That's fantastic. Uh, and then I've got two more things here. I I could it's I wanted to go that's come out of UNC in years. <laughs> the only legitimate thing that's come out of there in years. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know what that's kind of safe for the players because they don't attend classes anyways. <laughs> you, you're uh, saying that, uh, that that student wasn't an African studies major. <laughs> or the, the, <laughs> The old underwater basket weaving bit. Uh, <laughs> Matt Liner. From CBS News, 23 members of a sorority, Pi Beta Phi, at Oklahoma State have tested positive for coronavirus. Fall classes began today. <laughs> They're all under quarantine, by the way. Uh, and I God. think only one were showing symptoms. From Fox 10 in Alabama. Of the 30,000 students tested returning to the University of Alabama school system, point... Eight three have tested positive, which they say is good, and I say that is good. That's less than a percent. That's not a bad return, right? Um, I think they use that because it's two hundred and fifty students that still tested positive. Like it's, that's that's two hundred. No, no, yeah, that's still two hundred and fifty kids. Like it, it's and and then just it's not. This is a, an audio medium, but the the pictures that were all over social media from. Georgia, Austin, Stillwater, uh, Tennessee, like every every possible school, Clemson, uh, UVA, it, every school that is having students return to campus, there are pictures of anywhere from 50 to 300 kids, nut to butts, maybe a handful <laughs> of masks, and they're either waiting in line because they're having to get tested, which this seems this seems crazy. Or they're out at a bar already and partying, or they're in line to get their their dorm assignments or whatever it is. Like, there's also a common thread with all of these schools that you're saying they're in the south. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, this issue isn't happening for the California schools, right? Because they've already said 
we're just going to do remote. Yeah. yeah. As of today, by the way, I didn't have it mentioned in my notes, but that UNC editorial has now led to UNC deciding, yes, we probably should have less people on campus, but I believe they're only having underclassmen report back home to learn remotely, which tells me that they're still keeping juniors and seniors there. Is it because they might be 21 and no longer minors? Could be. Yeah, that's that's not a bad bet. But, but now, what you've just done, if you're UNC, and what you're going to do with these other schools as spikes continue to go and you have to go remote, is, hey, you've now taken 250 out of 30,000 students and now turned that into, let's say it's only like 1,300 positives out of 30,000. And now you're asking those 1,300, did I say 13,000? 1,300 to return back to their home, whatever town that is, return back to their parents, return back by their grandparents, wherever they're from, and now put other people or other communities at risk. Like you're, you're by having all the students show up, you've now become, you've created your own hotspot. It's created a hotspot. And not to mention, you now have kids in there that, you know, before they get tested, they're still intermingling, they're mingling with other kids in the, on the university. So now they've been in contact. You now have those same people sitting in, in, uh, in lecture halls that are going to be used by other people uh, later on in the day with no sanitizing. We don't know what's going on there. Um, and to kind of bring it back to football, all of a sudden you got players that are going in, in there. They're getting contact. So it's it, the bubble. I just don't for, for them wouldn't work. Not if you're forcing them to go to class, you would have to almost do what the NBA's done. If you're a conference mm-hmm. and you want football would be, uh, I'm trying to think of a venue that would even be big enough. Uh, Jesus, maybe Do- Orlando. Right, let's, take, let's, take, <laughs> let's let's take, let's take Dollywood. So the SEC, all of their coaches and players go to Dollywood. They're the only ones allowed on premises, and I don't know how many hotels are there, but there's got to be a lot. And they quarantine. That's the only chance this thing has. For the Big Ten, I don't know where you'd have it. And if you did have a bubble, that storm that just blew through is probably destroying it too, (laughs) just like it did poor Iowa. So I'm going to go through the timeline of the We Are United and the We Want to Play movements. (laughs) A.K.A. Marty's Mental Break Night. This this was... uh, (laughs) You said you went through all the emotions. I... Yeah, we'll get to that. It's it's you know what I'll I'll just say it now like I I went to bed smiling and that whole day I'll tell you as we go along honestly it was it was it was a weird it was a weird thing okay so let's start with the hashtag we are united on August second through the playerstribune.com Pac-12 athletes released the hashtag we are united mission statement their demands to protect and benefit both scholarship and walk-on athletes. So without a lot of the smaller bullet points, they had four major points that I want to hit. They had one, health and safety protections, COVID-19 protections and mandatory safety standards. Two, protect all sports, preserve all existing sports and eliminate by eliminating excessive expenditures. Three, end racial injustice in college sports and society, a civil engagement task force, a percentage of conference revenue to support financial aid to low-income students, community initiatives, and form an annual Pac-12 Black College Athlete Summit, and four, economic freedom and equity, including guaranteed medical expense coverage, name, image, and likeness, rights and representations, fair market pay, rights and freedoms. So, the We Are United came out and before we go to the next step, I know that Jeff is on Twitter more than you, Kyle. And I know that I'm on Twitter What's way Twitter? too much. Uh, what is a Twitter? That's at... I don't, I don't know what a Twitter is. It's at... Uh, God, what is your... I don't even know what your Twitter is. <laughs> at third down fullback. Third down fullback. <laughs> so I'm not asking you necessarily to, to tell us what your site is. Cause I think I, I know, but... I just wanted to point out that when this happened, there were pretty polar opposite takes that seemed to be happening. Either you were in support of the players using their voice, or you felt like the players were holding the conference and football at ransom. 
depending on, on how you think, I, I can understand both of those takes, right? If, if you're not focused and you think that amateurism is the only thing that makes college football special, I think, A, you're dumb. But also, B, I could see you understanding that these players are going to ruin something you like watching every fall. I'm glad that the people that I follow that are journalists or writers or bloggers or podcasters about college football all kind of in unison were happy, whether they agreed with it or not, that the players are using their voice. Because that's what's been missing. And we've spoken about it when we had the Big 12 episode about Chubba Hubbard, right? And, and him mm-hmm. and him doing it and players before him. Uh, I, I'm blanking on his name, but the Mississippi State running back that Hill. helped the Hill that led the changing of the Mississippi flag. Like this is this is cool to see. This is how how movements start, right? And the We Are United one was one of those. What happened yeah. though? What proceeded was an astroturfing campaign from a lot of small-time media members on social media that started tagging athletes and urging them to use the hashtag we want to play. One of these people are our former hosts, uh, the Fifth Quarter Company, um, or whatever they are, Incorporated. Uh, They were all over this. They were tagging every single person, every single player they could. because, But, you know, it it never felt like uh, it's because they wanted the players to say we want to play it's because they want the players to play like it was pretty it was pretty transparent what they it's were very doing, much right? dance for me yeah yeah that, it, it, it you know what it felt like that and it felt like a like oh here's the carrot here's the hashtag so you can play for us so mm. the fans wanted the kids voice to be heard just not the ones that were using the we are united right because those those people that group of people at the Pac-12, they wanted to end. They they wanted to also end racial injustice. Like, how dare they? So they also they want this. to take away my my Saturdays. And the thing that was disappointing is it worked. Right, the same type of people that call into Paul Feinbaum's show were all over Twitter retweeting the "We Want to Play" hashtag, and it started to gain steam, including our president, including our president, <laughs> and <laughs> our, pres- our president. <laughs> retweeted it retweeted it on the 9th i believe it was and on the 9th that sunday i didn't tweet a whole lot from the run pot option podcast account not even my personal account i just sat and kind of looked at my phone and saw this really just like vile back and toxic. forth it was yeah toxic is the best way to explain it and any of not to punch holes in anyone's argument, but anyone that seemed to be behind the we want to play, they only used the example that the kids should decide. And these kids should also decide like COVID, coach health, whatever else be damned, the kids should decide. And I looked over at my wife And I was not crying, but I was very, very, very bummed. And I just said, you know, I see this and I like this and I like the support I see for this. But then I see this AstroTurf movement start drowning out those other voices. And it's starting to sound like, you know, the, the, the dumbest dog barks the loudest, right? Or the guiltiest dog barks the loudest. And that's what it felt like. Not from the players, but from the people that were trying to to signal boost those players wanting to play. Then at 12.01, on August 10th, I happened to be up. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and a number of other high-profile athletes all tweeted, hashtag we want to play. And they had an image similar to the way that We Are United has an image, had an image that, that they they were posting on Twitter. They released it with that hashtag, which was going crazy at that point. And the image showed that the We Are United players and the We Want to Play players, those camps combined. Those camps combined and their demands as it read, we all want to play football this season. 
We need to establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against COVID-19 among all conferences through the NCAA. Give players an opportunity to opt out and respect their decision. Guarantee eligibility whether a player chooses to play this season or not. Use our voices to establish open communication and trust, ultimately create a college football players association, and then representative of the players of all Power 5 conferences. I think they've since amended that to include all conferences. So, good. Definitely. Absolute bomb. And now, now... Everyone that was supporting We Want to Play by way of association also now support a players union. And <laughs> 40 chess. And you love, to, you love to see it. It was Players the, playing 40 chess. Wonderful. I saw someone explain it as one of the greatest play fakes they've ever seen. This was, this was the 2007 Boise State hook and ladder. Play Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The camera, the camera was at midfield, and the player was twenty yards downfield. They never saw it. Besides this being really, really cool, and I had a question of where do we see these demands leading? But I want to, I want to actually just point out one thing. They said college athletes, not student athletes. I think that's really, really important. But we had a question from Twitter from the juicing the numbers podcast. Uh, we've had Corwin on the show many times, Corwin and Josh hosted. They're good dudes. How much dudes. they ask, how much bigger or smaller of a debate would the college football season be if the players got paid? And that is essentially kind of what, what we see missing play mission. They didn't mention getting paid like the, we are United players did. And I think what they did, whether it was intentional or not, they're asking for the support of a union. And once you get the union, you then get the power to negotiate the money. Exactly. It is agree. It is getting the rest of the schools to agree to, and the NCAA to agree to have a union because they're not asking for the money right now. They're not asking for it. But once we get the union in, then we can start pushing it when CBA start to come up. Yeah, it's it's go time, and that's that's sort of why. As much as I'm ready for them to get paid yesterday, mm-hmm. one of the things that that I went to bed smiling, and I was upset. My wife was then sleeping because I couldn't tell her about everything that happened because I was <laughs> I was giddy with excitement. But I sat there thinking, like, cool, this is the realest first step we've had into an NCAA players union. And it's well overdue, in my opinion. I, I think, Kyle, it sounds like you're on the same board. Jeff, do you yeah. want to tell us that unions are bad or anything? I, see, I, think a, I think a college player's union exists. I think it just doesn't do anything right now. It's not a it's union. Just, it's a player's association. But I think it's basically a waste from what I saw online. So I agree, in essence. It's time. It's been, it's been time. It might be one of the biggest positives that might come out of COVID <laughs> is that this pandemic is, has been a catalyst for something that should have been done 20 years ago when you have – or 30 years ago when you have people like Chris Weber going and half of the Michigan basketball team getting in trouble for you know, accepting a sandwich from a booster. Yeah. I, I don't know where the quote comes from, but there's the – Sometimes weeks feel like years, and sometimes years feel like weeks. And for all the the push and pull over this student-athlete amateurism part, it felt like in the last three weeks, and COVID being the, the fuse that lit it, it feels like it's expedited this thing immensely from a college football standpoint and an amateur standpoint. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's taken down that wall of the NCAA being able to hide behind amateur status because now they're asking these kids to do something that they're not asking the rest of their students to do. If there are programs that are going to disintegrate because they're not having football this fall, that's evidence enough. But the campus thing, and, and, and to actually try to answer their questions, how bigger or smaller of a, de- a debate would, would it be? I think you'd probably still have the same debate. The difference is that there's actually two people in that debate 
And it's not the schools deciding or the conferences deciding only. The players having a vote might make it more difficult to come to an agreement, but at least the people that would be playing or once that agreement is made, you can say A, B, and C all agreed to it. And that's that's the most important part of this. Like, I still don't want to see kids playing when there's a chance, even if it's .05, that their lungs are, you know, fried the rest of their life because of coronavirus. But if they're getting paid and thus semi-pro or however you, you know, classify them and their medical expenses are paid for by the schools and not out of pocket, I think I'd be more inclined to support it. Yeah, I think so too. I think that if the players were paid, it would feel more like the NFL decisions, you know, just because they're making their own decisions there with, with their own career at that point, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's still some billionaire bootlickers in the NFL too. Like, <laughs> I, I don't doubt that, that, that that's yeah. going to happen, you know, here either. But the having have, having an equal voice, you're seeing, yeah, you're seeing the ability for players to opt out in the NFL and accept like a certain amount, like basically a loan for the year. And but if they don't make the team next year, they do have to pay it back. Uh, but there, it's it's a career, and they're at least making some sort of an, an attempt to allow them to have the free will to not play the season and still make money, but also make the decision that they want to play for their full salary. Do we have anything else on the last three weeks that you guys want to hit on before we maybe just oddly shift into conference schedule talk? (laughs) Well, we still haven't answered the question of how, uh, how, confident we are that the season's actually going to be played with it with these oh god yeah we man we have we have we gone down that tunnel uh and passed it a few times i'm sorry (laughs) yeah so kyle give me a percentage chance that any college football gets played this fall i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna count like army and navy playing and that's it i mean like any any god let me just say that yeah any football. I think there's going to be like a 90% chance that we play like week one, week two. I'm going to say it's a 15% chance we finish the entire season out. I think that the Southern conferences are going to be very, you know, hard-nosed and bullheaded about it and try to get it done. But I think it's going to come at the expense of teams, players getting covid and having to cancel games because they're you know, and then it's going to turn into an absolute shit show, and they're <laughs> not, and then then it's then COVID's going to flare back up in October, and we're going to be out of, out of a season at that point. All right, Jeff. Same question. Chan- I mean, uh, chances we play any football, I would say about ten. I'm going to say ten percent. And that's even getting to the first week, you know, looking at the really? schedules. I think they're going to start in a month. I just think you're going to see some outbreaks, worse outbreaks at some of these schools, and it's going to it's going to cause the team to cancel. Syracuse might cancel because their players are already, you know, feeling pretty wary about it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Hugh Freeze is an idiot. <laughs> it's God. there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of intentional. When I look at something like the ACC schedule that they're starting September 12th and the Big 12 and the SEC are both starting September 26th. So that makes me think that there's probably a higher percent chance than I normally would put on there being football because they're taking their time to presumably isolate their teams. Well, aren't we going to get a TCU SMU? Uh, God, I don't know. On September 5th? I hope so. That's football. I can't. Dallas is not doing well right now, so they I just don't. Had, I mean, they just had a soccer game with 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 people in the stands. Yeah, but not many people attend those stands. Not many people attend <laughs> those games with with no coronavirus. I'll I tell you just, that right now. I'm just saying that if they're yeah. willing to do that, I I don't think that there's really much of a chance that they're not willing to put a uh, two two football teams out there and let them play on, on national TV. God, that makes my, it makes my skin crawl, man. And I hate that it does. I, I don't know. 
they've done, I don't know if they have done dumber things. I was just going to point out that the ACC, it is interesting how everyone has at least one open date in the third or fourth week. So if they do decide that some outbreaks start happening, I could see a lot of those games shifting to 926 and 10-3. I think that was very intentional, kind of speaking to what, what Jeff brought up. I'm going to say... To finish the season quicker? I'm going to say there's a, a 50% chance that we have a, a week where multiple games are played. I think it's probably a, a 3% chance that we finish the season or that someone plays more than four or five games. Wow, you're. I guess I'm the eternal optimist over here. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I don't know if it's optimism or just bullheadedness from the NCAA in these conferences. That <laughs> I'm trying to take a level-headed take. Do I think that like Vanderbilt? Well, I think Vanderbilt might be on there. I think Vanderbilt might take a level-headed approach. Do I think South Carolina will? You know, I don't know. Will they be? You know, they're so set on playing Kentucky at the end of the year <laughs> that they're. <laughs> that they're going to bull, bull their way through the well, rest of the season. Clemson will bull their way through. Alabama will bull their way through. Texas will bull their way through. Yeah. Oklahoma State will, too, just because Gundy. Let's get to the ACC. We'll start there, since you kind of started naming some teams. So this may have already changed, honestly, this ACC schedule. like it, it's, it's Things are changing a mile a minute. Another percentage question for you, Kyle. Percentage chance that... Liberty plays Syracuse in October, <laughs> despite not testing players for two weeks. Zero. <laughs> Zero chance. I think that they're going to say, hell nah. I think that the conference will say, hell nah. You're not playing yeah. Liberty. It, Liberty, you're not playing. Because Liberty's playing like three uh, three uh, ACC schools. Virginia Tech testing, and North Carolina State. Yeah. ACC will put, a, will put a nix on that. They will say, no. You either start testing daily or three times a week, uh, but or or you're not playing us, anybody in our conference. So one game that stood out immediately, just because I like the rivalry, Virginia Tech and Virginia are playing September 19th. Yeah, we're getting that out of the way really. That early. is the weirdest. It is just so weird, man. I, it, it's just the world we live in. Louisville playing Miami on that same weekend. Notre Dame and Duke is dumb. I don't even want to look at Notre Dame's schedule. Notre Dame. <laughs> well, that, there's another weird part that we need to talk about. Is Notre Dame, if they do this season, Notre Dame has a chance to win the ACC in a one-and-done season. <laughs> It'd be a real weird stain on the ACC Our ultimate nightmare is coming true. I fucking do you hate think, it. Do you think there's a chance that schools start dropping out if that looks like it's going to happen? Like the- <laughs> There's like, like <laughs> Notre, yeah, Notre Dame is, uh, they're like eight and oh, they only have Boston college left and North Carolina and Syracuse. North Carolina has already canceled it because their whole campus is, you know, eaten up with it. And, uh, Syracuse is like, yeah, we're, we're gone. We're, we're stepping aside. Syracuse uh, is their uh, last game of the season. Yeah. And, so, and, and it's the one win they need to win the conference. And Syracuse is like, ah, look at us, man. Uh, sorry guys. <laughs> there was a leak in the new dome and looks like coronavirus got in. <laughs> um, one thing that is very interesting about this is we might get one of our out-of-conference um, games that we really wanted to see. Virginia and VMI. No, Miami UAB. <laughs> Ooh. That's interesting, yeah, because that's still scheduled for the 10th yeah. of September. When UAB beats Miami. <laughs> yeah, especially now that oh, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but Greg Rousseau has gone. Yeah. Uh, if Miami loses first week, do they cancel the season? <laughs> do you think that do, do you think that D.R. King cancels the season? He transfers. Yeah, he just he tries to transfer again. Transfers, transfers back to, to UAB. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes their bus back. Oh, Derek King at UAB would be a lot of fun. I think I don't think anything changes. Just looking at the schedule, I, I think Clemson's far and away my pick. Yeah, I, I I think that this does way way more hurt, like hurt to Syracuse than it does anything. You think so? If I'm just going to list their yeah. games, I'm going to leave off Liberty. Tell me win or loss. Just no, nothing's changed. Just win or loss. Uh, UNC. Let me see. Is it at or? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me here. I'll, I'll, away. Okay. At okay. UNC. I got it now. I got you. Got at UNC loss. At Pitt. I want to say win, but <laughs> that's a that's a toss up. <laughs> probably a loss. Okay. Home against Georgia Tech. Win. Jeez. 
Home against Duke. Win. Ooh, home against Wake Forest. That is not the next game. I'm sorry, Clemson. That orange on gray is really hard to see. <laughs> Away at Clemson. <laughs> Loss. Home at West Wake Forest. West Forest. I'm West a mess Forest. Right now. Uh, we're going to beat West Forest at home. Uh, home against Boston <laughs> College. Jeez. I'm going to say win. New coach. At Louisville. Oh, loss. Home against North Carolina State. I think North Carolina State's a bit of a mess right now, so win. At Notre Dame. Loss. I think you predicted more wins in this COVID season than you did when we did the ACC <laughs> previews. That's true. I think, <laughs> uh, I, think I got five wins. <laughs> I don't know if you had five last time. I think you might have been at like four. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, Someone check the tape, please. Um, I just think that they're going to beat Georgia Tech and Wake Forest. Duke's kind of a toss-up. Yeah, and, with Chase I, Bryce. Yeah. Favorite. Chase Bryce, who already carved the heart Heis, out of Syracuse. Heisman candidate. I, I, I'm just saying that those those road games, I don't see I don't see one win in them. Those road games are insanely tough. The 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 home the home schedule. I'm perfectly fine with. I think those are winnable games, but the road schedule is absolutely—it's murderer's row in the ACC. It seems like, except except for uh, Florida State. But my last thought on on the ACC schedule is Florida State actually that they get a chance to open home against Georgia Tech, and I don't know if that Samford game's still on, but I'm going to assume it is. Starting those two out, Georgia Tech's not going to be as easy as they were last year, but I still think Florida State's probably going to win that before they play the big game against Miami. I don't know, guys. I don't know if you read the practice report from Norvell from the other night, but they asked asked him how practice went, and he said something along the lines of, you know, it went okay. We were able to run some plays. That's exciting. Which is, is an improvement for Florida State, but the fact that they were able to run some I mean, plays. Yeah, 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 I'm not sure they ran that many plays on offense last year. <laughs> Towards the end of the season, it was a mess. He also called out the best player as their new Australian punter. So it Do might be a rough season. Maybe a little bit, but I think they're still going to be pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, Australian yeah. Australian punters are also like. I mean, they're like always we've good. Seen what they, yeah, we've seen what they can do. I mean, if you're going to find a punter, you go to Australia. Yeah. So the Big Twelve schedule. Also modified, less game, smaller conference. But you telling me that Texas Tech gets a shot at Texas first week? Yes. I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm here for it. Oklahoma and Texas, Texas Tech. Texas is back. I'm sorry. Oklahoma and Texas also going to go ahead and still play in the Cotton Bowl. And <laughs> and I think they're still going to try to maybe have like 10,000 fans. It feels like a bad move. I've been Dallas there. is doing weird things again. Yeah, I've been there for the Cotton Bowl experience with with the Red River Shootout, and it is party central. So if they, in fact, do that and they play at the Cotton Bowl, if all those bars aren't shut down, it is going to become a humongous hotspot because that's all it is. It is just bar after bar after bar after bar. Again, nuts to butts. Everybody's standing around and getting hammered. Not many safety (laughs) precautions taken. Sounds about right. Jeff, how many wins is Kansas going to have? <sighs> no. They're not going to beat Baylor. Who do they have week one? Kansas plays Baylor first week. <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't I don't see any wins on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe at the end of the year they can upset TCU or Texas Tech, maybe. I, I don't... I just don't. It's going to be another rough year. That's the correct answer. It's (laughs) zero should be the answer, I believe, because short of a team just falling apart, I can't really imagine. Maybe, maybe Iowa State gets like really bitten, bitten by the bug. But even when that's at that's at Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma is happening November twenty first. So that's still going to be a late game. It's kind of a shame if, if things don't go that far that we're going to miss out on Bedlam. Baylor we'll miss out on uh, Oklahoma Baylor at, at the end of the year too. Yeah, it's which is be hell. When is the last time Oklahoma State has beaten Oklahoma? It's been a few years, hasn't it? 
as Stained would say, it has been a while. Let me... (laughs) (laughs) Your references are sick, bro. I'm just glad you approached this podcast with arms wide open. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's, uh... Listen, I'm going to hit you with my mud shovel. I don't want to steal anyone's sunshine. (laughs) But the last time (sighs) Oklahoma State has won would have been 2014. Okay, so... And they won 44 to 10. Was that I'm sorry, hold on. No, I'm sorry. That was 2011. They won 38-35. That sounds right. And then they... Boy, 2011. Was 2011 the year Oklahoma State almost won... Went to the championship. The, that was Justin Blackman. I'm pretty sure was there. Who is that? Is he still alive? Uh, he lasted in the league about two years with Jacksonville yeah. before yeah. he uh, before he, he decided yeah. that drugs were more fun. That long line of the long. He took the Matt Jones route. <laughs> yeah, he went and hung out with Matt Jones. <laughs> One of the that's things I, I do think that's interesting about. The Big 12 schedule in general, and and speaking again to that Max Olson piece from The Athletic, West Virginia really feels like they're out on an island with this schedule. And I could really see if they have difficulties, even the Big 12 saying, all right, like, you're you're done with us this year. We're Mm -hmm. We're not gonna have Texas Tech, Texas and Iowa State travel out there. Or have you bring it in to Kansas State, Fort Worth, Norman. I could see of a team dropping off, West Virginia being the first, just because that state's not in a great way, I don't think, either, with the coronavirus. And that's really the only thoughts I have on the Big 12 schedule, if y'all want to hop to SEC. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Opening week kind of sucks. Yep. But week two has Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, A and M, Florida, South Carolina. If if you believe that's a good one, yeah. Old Miss, Kentucky. It's probably going to be a good one. You have Vanderbilt, LSU. Let's get that one. <laughs> a lot of so yeah. Georgia, Auburn, A and M, and Alabama. That classic SEC matchup of Tennessee, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, God, it feels weird, doesn't it? <laughs> Missouri will never, will never feel right. I'm looking at I, I'm looking at this. So looking at the the teams that we predicted to win the conference were either Alabama, Florida, in my Vols, and Tennessee. Okay, so Vols. let's go. Let's go Tennessee first. I'll go in order. I'm going to say all right. Home and away here. Okay, at South Carolina, home against Missouri, at Georgia, home against Kentucky, home against Alabama, open. At Arkansas, home against the Aggies. At Auburn, at Vandy, home against Florida. Home against Florida, 12-5. That is doable. That's a pretty easy, not not an easy schedule. That's a doable schedule. That is a fair schedule. Like, I I, I think it also starts starts out well. You know, to get your feet underneath you, you've got South Carolina, who I know people seem to like South Carolina. They're still South Carolina. Yeah, I'm not there for them yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can totally see that being a win. I think that Missouri's a win. And that's a Missouri Missouri with a new coach whose first week they're going to get probably battered by Alabama. Yeah, they're going to be a bunch of sad boys. Um, <laughs> and then Georgia, I mean, Georgia is Georgia, but it's early. New quarterback. We'll see. You know, you'll see what happens with that. I think they beat Kentucky. Kentucky's losing a lot with no Lynn Bowden. Alabama, they're going to lose. I think they beat Arkansas. We collectively hate Texas A&M, so... Yeah, apparently. They're going to lose. Yeah, for Uh, for those not familiar, once we got done with our conference previews, I posted a big thread on the college football subreddit, and I have (laughs) what has since been confirmed as an irrational A&M fan from... A part of Texas I didn't know existed. He was upset with our A&M coverage. So actually, let's just do that right now. If he's sure. listening. After I'm I sure just said that he was... Yeah, I hope, I hope not. Uh, so A&M, they open home against Vanderbilt. That's wonderfully what a great for him. What a great week. <laughs> yeah. At Alabama. Nope. Home against Florida. 
that's a tough one. <laughs> if there if there's if there's no fans in the stands, I think Florida wins. If there's yeah. fans in the stands and they're letting them do that weird uh, like clap thing that they do with the <laughs> I think Florida wins. Uh, at Mississippi State, it's probably a win. Yeah. Hosting Arkansas, a win. So I count I count them at three and two right now. Mm-hmm. Away at South Carolina, probably a win. Might be I'd a probably tough one. say a win. So let's go four and two. At Tennessee, ish. My let's, predictions. Let's A and M gonna lose that game. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna say to just give A and M fair and balanced coverage. I think A and M probably wins that game. Truly, I do. So that puts them as one, two, three, four, five, and two. Home against Old Miss, they're probably six and two at that point. Maybe they Lane lose their has, last two games. Yeah, th- it, that's exactly. They're six and four. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> they're six and four, which is just a heartbeat away uh, from eight and four, which they would have had with maybe two out of conference games, which sounds familiar, I think. And I mm-hmm. think that's fair enough to ask or to yeah. say. Yeah, I I don't see that. I, I think maybe their best chance to win is probably out of those four big games that we think that they're going to lose probably LSU just because they're losing a lot. Yeah. You know, we don't know what the new quarterback situation is going to look like. Don't know what the offensive line is going to look like, uh, but they're it's, it's further on in the season. So they might have their sea legs at that point. So, so let's hop over to Florida at Ole Miss home against South Carolina at A&M home against LSU home against Missouri at Georgia it's actually going to be in Jacksonville. Home against Minshew is going to preside. <laughs> home against Arkansas at Vanderbilt. <laughs> There's going to be NXT people running in. Uh, I just lost my place. Home against Kentucky at Tennessee. You know what's what's interesting to me is I could see Florida going undefeated here, and I could see both Kentucky and Tennessee either or. One of them biting them in the ass and ruining a perfect season. Yeah, Home I really think Kentucky that Tennessee might have a good season this year. I, uh, it's terrifying to say that. that. That front, they might. It's good. It might look a lot like last year. Like they have Georgia, Kentucky, and Alabama in a row. Like that's going to be rough. But if they can, I mean, come out of that first part three and two, that second half. Yeah, that's that's, that's a really. Yeah manageable second half. I mean, Auburn will be tough and I think A&M will be better, but it's going to come down to that Florida game, right? Yeah, I think if you're Tennessee, you're looking at a floor of 6-4, and four, ideally. Yeah. And you would still like to beat Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Florida. And if you count A&M as a threat, you know, I, I think... I think that you get at least two of those games. Yeah, you have Georgia away, Florida and Alabama at home will help, I think. I don't know how much it's going to help. I mean, I don't think there's going to be anybody in the stands, honestly. No, but I still think that... The familiarity in, of your own... Yeah, the, the the testing leading up to a road game and then having to be so strict on the road, I imagine those are those are things I can only think that are going to be uncomfortable. Maybe for some teams, you know, maybe not for Tennessee or Alabama, but if you're... Definitely not for Liberty because they don't test. So but if you're, Louisiana, if you're losing an attack, and you don't have the type of, you know, mega buses that Alabama have to transport. You have the amount. You don't have the luxury that the Alabama players may have afforded to them. You know, those road games could be tough. So, yeah, I guess depending on the team and Missouri, if they're not flying and they are going to be on a bus trip, you know, Florida at South Carolina. I'm sorry, Missouri at South Carolina is not a short trip. Missouri at Florida is not a short trip. No, that's not a fun. It's a tough it's a one. Fun time for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be miserable if they're on a bus. I still think going over Alabama's schedule here before we wrap it up: Alabama at Mizzou, home against A and M, at Old Miss, home against Georgia, at Tennessee, home against Mississippi State, at LSU, home against Kentucky, home against Auburn, and at Arkansas. I'm I'm high on Kentucky because I think Joey Gatewood's going to be a pretty decent. I, I like their coaching too, but I think that the Kentucky is. I think Kentucky is where Tennessee needs to be, 
right now as a program. Mm-hmm. LSU, Kentucky, and Auburn back-to-back is going to be a tough one. Going A&M, Georgia, and Tennessee, three of those in the four-week period is also going to be difficult. I'm looking at Arkansas' schedule now, and I don't see a win, man. Maybe at <laughs> Mizzou. Yeah, Arkansas in for a rough one. Any other SEC thoughts or, or, or maybe changes that you want to make on who you think is a favorite to win the conference? I'm going to stick with my guns. It's going to be Tennessee. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. I, I was kind of discounting LSU, but what are your thoughts on that first part of their schedule? It's pretty – damn it, it's pretty manageable. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you're, yeah. If, if you're having as much turnover as you did player-wise and coach-wise – Yes, having Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Mizzou feels like a pretty easy way to break in and get those reps needed. Now, if this is Mississippi State three years from now, I would not want to open with that team. I mean, all they're going to know now is they're just going to pass a lot. So I yeah. think they're still – like right. it's not going to be that – And it's, it's not Leach's guys. It's not – No, even yeah. with the transfer at quarterback, it still feels like Mississippi State is going to be – Still trying to fit square pegs into round holes, you know? Yeah. Going with, man, Florida, South Carolina, Auburn, Alabama. That bye week before Alabama is going to be critical for LSU, too. Kentucky's schedule looks pretty easy, dude. Just Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Georgia, Mizzou, Vandy, Alabama, Florida, well, that Alabama, Florida is a tough one at yeah, the end not... now that I get a little further down. Okay, that's, yeah. that's all I got for the SEC. I still have Bama, I think. Yep. I'm just not. Saving wants another title. I'm not changing. Going with Tennessee. I'm proud of you. Biting down hard. Very briefly, just some notable players that have opted out of the season before we sign off that I'm upset. Uh, Caleb Farley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Rashad Bateman. The receiver from Minnesota, Micah Parsons, Penn State linebacker. These were also notable players opting out before the Big Ten canceled. So, of course, Micah Parsons is out because Big Ten, but just to point that out, Rondell yeah. Moore uh, out of Purdue, Greg Rousseau that Kyle mentioned, uh, Miami defensive end, that one's going to hurt. And just recently, Kennedy Brooks from Oklahoma which is a kind of a raw deal for Trey Sermon at Ohio State because he transferred to Ohio State right. to get playing time, and then, oops. And then Ohio State says, nah. Well, Big yeah. Ten says, nah. What now. season? <laughs> and Kennedy Brooks said, I don't know what a season is either. If you've made it this far, please consider subscribing. Throw us a five-star review on iTunes. It sincerely helps us. And... I imagine we're probably not going to record for a couple more weeks, kind of let the the landscape get there, see if anything else changes. But soft schedule the week before we're intending the ACC to kick off is probably going to be when we're going to be back and we'll make some picks. How does that sound? Oof. Sounds exciting. It'll be, it'll be really easy to do pick them this year. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's, we can probably just do every game, honestly. Yeah, it wouldn't even take that long. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there was just one other schedule thing I, we didn't get to address. Um, you know, our local Division One school, University of North Carolina, Charlotte, will be playing at App State Week 1. Oh, yes. That came down. Was it today or yesterday that they announced it? Recently. and I think UNC Charlotte is playing Duke, App State, and... I don't know if it's NC State or Wake, but they're they're loading up on the local schedule. So that should be the goal Good for, for them. them as a program. I mean, like yeah. genuinely, just like play App State and try to play at least one of the major ACC schools that are here, and do it every single year. Even if you're yeah. going to get your losses early on, like to it's build really a program. Smart. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. They're going at App State and then at North Carolina. That is two tough back to backs. <laughs> That is a rough go. You can but. get local kids that want to go and watch the game, you know, just yeah. as a local. They're playing a big-time local school, and, yeah, maybe you can flip them and be like, hey, maybe you should come here and get some playing time. Yep, we're going to have to cancel our show trip to a Charlotte game because we didn't intend on that being, being this season, I believe, <laughs> and uh, things change. Yep. Yeah. We'll see but what happens. I do also want to give just one shout-out to someone who's definitely not listening, but that if there's a way to donate to them, please do. The runner of fbschedules.com 
that website has every college football schedule for every team. And for this guy to have done the work he's done in the last month on modifying these schedules, because already it shows App State and Charlotte, it must be a full-time job lately. Absolutely insane to have to do all this. Show him some love. Show him some love. SBSchedules.com. The only place to get the only place to get schedules. Send him some beer money. All right, guys. Uh, goodbye from Marty. I guess goodbye from Kyle. Goodbye, Micah Parsons. See you in the league. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Rondell. Will not miss you <laughs> or you Bye, either. You. <laughs> Bye, Josh Jackson. Bye, uh, Liberty's testing. <laughs> Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy And I am Corwin Heller And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL With anything that we like to talk about in between If you like sports and the numbers behind it Come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers On iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts Hit us up on Twitter at Juicing P.O.D.